welcome to the very first episode of Tomorrow Is Yesterday, the Star Trek podcast this year, where we review every episode of Star Trek in production order. I am your host, Brandon Couch, and with me, as always, is my co-host, David Moss. And before we get into the episode today, David, I've never asked you, how did you get into Star Trek? Well, so my mom was a Trekkie. And she used to watch Next Generation. And one day I was watching it with her. And I said, hey, isn't that the guy from Reading Rainbow? Why is he wearing those weird glasses? And she's like, yeah, that's the guy from Reading Rainbow. And so then my mom kind of got me into it. Well, how did you start, Brandon? So growing up, I was always a fan of Star Wars. And Star Trek was like this thing I'd heard of that has a similar name. Um, Like my dad would occasionally watch Next Generation. It'd be like something like in the background when I'd like walk through a room. But when I really got into it is when I was in high school, uh, my youth group every year, we did this dirty Santa party. And one year I got the 2009 Star Trek movie on DVD. And like, that's how I really got into it. And once I watched this, I was like, oh, cool. And then I started watching Enterprise. And like, I got into it like through that, the 2009 film and Enterprise. So which series is your favorite series? I'll be honest. No one else shares his opinion, but Enterprise. Enterprise is my favorite Star Trek series. Really? Why? I don't know. I think it's just because it's the one I started with. It got me into star trek oh. i like how like archer just like trying to figure it out doesn't have like the prime directive or anything to fall back on <laughs> it's just him and his ship so i'll be honest my favorite one is actually lower debt of like the new like paramount plus era star trek series i have to agree lower decks is my favorite of the new stuff my least favorite and i'm sorry because we are gonna start going over this is the original series that's okay <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll get into it. We'll get into it very soon. So a fun fact about me, you probably already know this, Brandon, but my son's name is actually named after William Riker, the second in command of the Starship Enterprise. D. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never met your child. <laughs> His name is Riker. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today, Brandon? All right, without any further ado, let's talk about the failed pilot that started it all, The Cage. So I, I'm i going to just say it right now. I understand why it failed. <laughs> like, I absolutely hate the original series. Like, I, I feel like we could just do without the original series. But I know, you know, it's important and all that. But, <laughs> but I understand why it failed. It's just a terrible, terrible episode. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's terrible. <laughs> Why? We'll get into that. So The Cage first aired on October 4th, 1988, was directed by Robert Butler, and was written by Gene Roddenberry. When was it first aired? 1980. Yeah, so when The Cage first aired in its entirety, technically, like, ne Next Generation was already on the air. It was, like, 22 years after the original series started. Yeah, and I could see why. Like, honestly, I'd be okay if they never would have aired it. Because I love Pike. Like, he's one of my favorite captains, especially on Strange New Worlds and Discovery. Even on the Star Trek movies from 2009. Yeah. Yeah, he was all right. This complete D-bag. I am going to get into some of that. Like, <laughs> he's very Kirk in this episode. Like, he's a good captain, but, like, there are, like, some problems with him that they very much fixed in the new stuff. I will say, though, the special effect is way better than the actual original series. Like, I found this to be better than the you original. You probably watched the remastered version. That's probably why. <laughs> I mean, even you can still see, I mean, you can see it's dated, but to me it was better. It's not the same set over and over and over <laughs> and over. It seemed like they had a higher budget. 
then oh yeah that's because with back in the day with pilots like even if the pilot failed like the studio would turn it into a tv movie and be like you can show it anyway huh i didn't know that yeah they didn't do that with this one because uh jeffrey hunter who played pike refused to come back and film additional scenes for a tv special is that why uh when you see pike in the original like was it season two maybe the end of season one yeah season two in the menagerie yeah where he comes back and he's in the chair and all disfigured yeah that, that's why they did that because he wouldn't come back <laughs> yeah so it's a different actor yeah i'm not gonna lie though i like the actor who plays pike in strange new worlds oh yeah he's great yeah he's the best all right so without any further ado let's get into this episode so we open with the enterprise flying through space and we get this cool transition shot of the outside the enterprise transitioning onto the bridge it's a cool looking shot it was probably a real pain to edit back in the 60s i never realized that the bridge was on top of the saucer section either like that was new information for me (laughs) really like i i always thought that it was there like i just thought it was there never thought it was anywhere else it might be because the 2009 movie because like in in that movie they do a similar shot to that but it's like at the bottom of the saucer section like i always even thought like every single starship in the star trek universe the bridge is up there huh like it always it never it never made sense to me as to where the bridge was on next generation when they would separate out into the saucer saucer section (laughs) And the uh, other section. Because it'd always be like, where was that bridge at? You have a good point. I don't know where they put the battle bridge in that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. Mentally, like, for some reason, I always thought, like, the bridge was, like, at the front of the saucer section. (laughs) Even though that would be really dumb. But I just figured it was the 60s. (laughs) Oh, and I mean, think about 10 forward. 10 forward would be the very front of the starship in next generation so the that bridge has never occurred to me the bridge couldn't be there <laughs> that is a good thought all right so we're on the bridge we have spock played by leonard nimoy who i'm not gonna go into his credits because he's known as spock he walks down onto the bridge and starts giving orders spock's really loud in this episode <laughs> did you notice i have no clue who the actor is or what he played but there's a guy on the bridge i think before this part that you're getting up to he walks in, he has like a bandage on his neck, and they're trying to hide it, but... Yeah, that comes in later. They're actually not trying to hide it. I'll get into why they're not trying to hide it. Like, that's part of the episode. Okay. Well, we'll maybe, get into that. Maybe I just missed that. <laughs> it, it's all right. It took me two two viewings, too, to, re- to realize, like, why so many people in this episode are wearing bandages. But yeah, he's not the only one. <laughs> uh, he's the only one I noticed. <laughs> okay, so Spock comes down, starts giving orders. I think it's really cool that, like, they couldn't have known this back then, but, like, Spock and Leonard Nimoy, like, the most lasting character in Star Trek history, gets the first line in the first episode made of Star Trek. Like, I think that's really cool. Huh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so who do you think's going to replace him as the longest lasting Star Trek character? Character? Or actor? Well, right now, I think it's Michael Dorn. <laughs> Michael Dorn? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Michael Dorn at this point has made more episodes of Star Trek than Nimoy ever did. I don't know, uh, Brent Spiner. He's in there a lot, too. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, like, at one point they, like, actually, like, gave Michael Dorn a trophy saying he's been in the most episodes. Because he did Deep Space Nine for a long time, so, like, he, like, got past, like, all the next generation actors. Yeah, and he played a Klingon in one of the original movies, too. Uh, Yeah, in Discovered Country, he played, like, his ancestor, yeah. also named Worf. 
<laughs> wonder if it was his dad. No, his dad was Moog. So like it would have been like his grandpa. Okay. All right. So we got Spot giving orders because there's this weird shimmer across their view screen. At first they think it might be broken, which I think is funny, but they quickly rule that out. There's definitely something out there. Our navigator, Jose Tyler, played by Peter Drea, who's probably best known for this episode of Star Trek, which is kind of sad, but he's also known for the 1967 film Catalina Caper, <laughs> thinks that it could be, quote, meteoroids that are flying by. But number one, played by Majel Barrett, also a very long-lasting actress in the Star Trek universe, shoots that theory down real quick. She basically says there's something else out there. Then we get alarms that start going off, and whatever this thing, it's on a collision course for the ship at light speed. Our ship systems aren't deflecting it, and while all this is going on, what I realize in my second viewing is our captain hasn't said a word yet. <laughs> right, I mean, it seems like he never actually talked to me it seemed like because i'm gonna jump ahead a little bit into this episode it seems like all he wants to do is either make love to someone <laughs> or beat the crap out of someone he never actually <laughs> makes any decisions See, that actually gets into why Leonard Nimoy is playing Spock so differently in this episode. Like, since Pike in this episode was, like, so, like, quiet and reserved, like, Leonard Nimoy played Spock with, like, louder, with more energy. When you have Shatner playing Kirk, though, Shatner has, like, so much energy in that role, like, Spock gets to be, like, the quiet, reserved one. So number one, who's also our helmsman, looks at the captain and asks, Evasive Maneuver, sir? And Christopher Pike, played by Jeffrey Hunter, who's mostly best known for westerns like the 1956 film The Searchers, but is also well known for playing Jesus in the 1961 film King of Kings, responds with, Steady as we go. They run into the thing. My note, my note for this one is kind of silly. We find out why Pike is the smartest person on the bridge. Maybe not the most intelligent, but the smartest. Is he really, though? Like, I don't even think he's the second smartest on that bridge. Like, 10th, maybe. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. You think her captain's dumb? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he's very sexist, too. I agree with you. <laughs> like, the whole, I'm not used to women being on the bridge. When there's multiple women on the bridge as he says that. And isn't number one, like, the second in command? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, she's been there for a while, at least. I mean, you're right. I wonder if <laughs> I agree with you. I'm glad they very much fixed this when we got to Strange New Worlds. Like, that show's full of women. Yeah. On the bridge. Yeah, that aren't uh, human. Most of them are human. Human? Which, I don't know what they're actually supposed to be doing. Oh, yeomans? Yeomans, yeah, there we go. Basically, like, the captain's secretary. So stupid. You're not going to like the original series. Oh, I I've seen it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they use paper really bothers me. I think they only like use paper in this episode. I don't Maybe. think like they're using paper in the rest of the original series. Maybe. Yeah, because in the rest of the original series, they're using like giant clipboard things that might be computerized, might not. It's hard to tell. <laughs> you know, I think uh, one of my old co-workers used to carry one of those around. <laughs> it held paper but <laughs> <laughs> all right so we cut to our communications officer garrison played by adam rourke who's best known for films like el dorado and the dirty mary crazy larry who tells us that we ran into a radio wave and that's a really old distress signal and pike explains that they were intentionally set to cause interference and attract attention so this is why i was saying that i think pike is smart because i think pike knew what it was the whole time that's why he stayed quiet to figure out that like it was a distress signal that they were running into and no one else realized okay here's my issue <laughs> 
What is going on? Why would they think a distress signal is a meteor or multiple meteors? Well, no, like there were multiple meteors flying across the view screen at that point. Okay. So I crossed, like, my mind went blank, I guess, apparently, because at one point I thought, hey, our ship is being shooken and hit by meteors. Oh, never mind. It's just an SOS or radio transmission. But I probably blanked right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We find out that the distress signal is from a ship that had to make a forced landing and that landed in the Talos Star Group. Number one notes that there aren't any Earth's colonies that far out, and Spock identifies that the signal is from the SS Columbia, a ship that disappeared 18 years ago. According to Tyler, it would take a radio signal about 18 years to make it that far. And Spock educates us on the Talos system. It's never been explored. It has a solar system similar to Earth's. At this point, I'd say, how do we know it has a solar system similar to Earth's if it's never been explored? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that was contradicting (laughs) there. I feel like Talos... Talos, the Rigel system, are all very, like, very prominent in Star Trek. Like, I feel like those are always mentioned. I'm like, do you have any other names? You might be right. I've never noticed that before, but you're probably right about that. I mean, they always put a different number on the planet, like Talos 4, Talos 7, Rigel 2, Rigel 12. What are we, uh, Soul 3? We would be Soul 3, wouldn't we? Yeah. (laughs) Alright, so where were we? It's never been explored. Alright, it has 11 planets, and the fourth planet is Class M, which means that it has an oxygen atmosphere. Hey, we breathe oxygen. Yes, we do. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) I did know that. (laughs) And Class M will be, like, a staple of Star Trek. Yep. All the planets. Class M. Class M here. Class M there. Occasionally they say Class L. Class Y sometimes. I think, uh, isn't Class Y do not go there? Yeah, Class Y is like demon planet. Yeah. Class L is like, you can go there for like a split second. <laughs> Actually, don't think I like, well, I've probably heard it because I've seen all of Star Trek, but like, don't remember Class L. I think that was the episode where they went, uh, Riker, LaForge, no, Riker, Data, and Worf went to the planet and they found the casino oh right yeah that was a weird episode it was a good episode though it was like it very much felt like a throwback to the original series way better than this episode (laughs) of the original series i don't know about that we'll get into it (laughs) i might think that by the time we get there in this podcast (laughs) in like five years (laughs) oh man I probably won't take that long. All right. Number one thinks that there could be survivors. Pike's being a pessimist and thinks they probably didn't survive the crash. Spock's surprised that they're not going there to check and be sure. Clearly, they haven't decided that Spock doesn't have emotions yet at this point. Yeah, Spock has a lot of emotions in this episode. Yeah. Like, strong emotions, too. Yeah, I think that's because at this point, they were writing number one to be the logical, like, one who doesn't show many emotions, and they hadn't written Spock that way yet. Yeah. And Pike decides that since there's no indication of survivors, that they're going to maintain their present course to the Vega colony to take care of their sick and injured. He gives number one the helm and exits the bridge. Once he exits the bridge, I have a comment on that. Okay. When he's in his room. All right. Since we've gotten past our first scene in Star Trek, let's take a moment and get to know some of our crew a little bit better. All right. So if you read the original documents for the pitch, they give a description of every character. Okay. So first, Captain Robert April. So Pike was originally supposed to be named Robert April. They'd reuse that name later. We'll get to that eventually. I think I like April better. It does sound like a good captain name. 
Yeah, I think they should have gave that to Janeway. Oh, yeah? Captain April. Captain Catherine April. No first name, just Captain April. Captain April. All right, so Robert April, our 34-year-old skipper of the SS Yorktown. Also, the Enterprise was also supposed to be the Yorktown originally. Which they do use the Yorktown eventually. Yeah, in right. Star Trek Beyond, they it's like a, I thought, a uh, really big space station, I guess. I thought Deep Space Nine, they mentioned the Yorktown. Probably. It's probably also been mentioned as a ship. Yeah, it was like the big space station in Star Trek Beyond was also called Yorktown. He was described as a space-age Captain Horatio Hornblower. He was headstrong and believed in taking risks himself. However, unlike other great explorers, he had a great compassion for all alien and human alike. So clearly they took a lot of this and put it into Kirk after this pilot failed. Yeah. Which brings us to number one. Never referred to it anything but number one. This officer is female, almost mysteriously female in fact. Slim and dark in a Nile Valley way. Age uncertain. One of those women who will always look the same between years 20 and 50. An extraordinarily efficient officer. Number one enjoys playing it expressionless and cool. Is probably Robert April superior in detailed knowledge of the equipment department and personnel aboard the vessel. When Captain April leaves the craft, number one moves up to acting captain it seems like number one should actually be the captain and pike should not be (laughs) i get that but also it was the 60s that was never gonna happen it kind of seemed sexist which is the 60s i mean yeah like they did remove her from the show after this episode (laughs) but they did bring her back in strange they did bring her back it took the late teens early 2020s but they did bring (laughs) her back (laughs) not that actress though I mean, they did bring that actress back. Like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's Nurse Chapel. Really? She's also Troy's mom. Nah. Yeah, she's also most of the computers in Star Trek. She is not. No. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow, you just blew my mind there. Didn't think I'd do that. You're generally the more knowledgeable about Star Trek. I mean, I am, but you're more knowledgeable about behind the scenes stuff. You know. I get what you're saying. Because I could care less what an actor's name is or who it is. Yeah, I had to look most of this up for this episode because, like, we're making a podcast. We should probably know who people are. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. That brings us to Spock. The first lieutenant, the captain's right-hand man, the working level commander of all the ship's functions, ranging from manning the bridge to supervising the lowest scrub detail. His name is Mr. Spock, and the first view of him can be almost frightening. A face so heavily litted and satanic you might almost expect him to have a forked tail. Probably half Martian, he has a highly reddish complexion and semi-pointed ears, but strangely Mr. Spock's quiet temperament is in dramatic contrast to his satanic look. Of all the crew aboard, he is the nearest to Captain April's equal physically, emotionally, and as a commander of men, his primary weakness is an almost hat-like curiosity over anything the slightest alien. So the person who wrote this description obviously does not know what a Klingon is because I feel like they would, I don't know what they'd even put for a Klingon. <laughs> like the devil created him <laughs> himself. I don't know. I mean, like he has like the point of ears. like back then, like that's like what the devil would look like. Yeah. I mean, to me, he looked, he's the only one that's different because he's not handsome, good looking, blonde haired like the rest of them. You think Leonard Nimoy is not good looking? 
I mean, I didn't say that. <laughs> you kind of said that. I but okay, not with the chiseled chin and the you know how Pike looks in this episode. <laughs> yeah, in like he half lo- the bridge crew. He looks like the star of any western at the time. Yeah, I mean, how could they even tell the difference between actors back then? <laughs> no wonder Leonard Nimoy was famous because <laughs> he's the only one who made it to the actual show. Yeah. All right, which brings us to our helmsman, Jose Ortegas. It's not what his name actually ended up being, but I just bring that up because they later used that name for Erica Ortegas and Strange New World, and I think that's cool. I was going to say, isn't Ortegas a familiar name? Yeah. Okay, so Pike walks through a cool-looking hallway past a couple dressed in normal people clothes and into his quarters. Anything to say about the cool-looking hallway? No, I have nothing to say about (laughs) the cool-looking hallway, but... When he enters his room and the way he goes in there, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought we were watching like an R-rated show or something. Why do you say that? (laughs) The way he was, I don't know, just the way his mannerism was. And then he calls the doctor and I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, is this doctor going to be some female that you're not used to being on the brain? (laughs) All right, so let's get into that. So he calls the doctor. We see this table with a communicator on it. It's not the communicator we all come to know and love. It's close. I kind of like this design. It looks cool. It's like transparent. So he turns it on, opens it, and calls the doctor to his quarters. He's picking up like with his hands like barely off the table. Looks like he's trying not to break the prop. So my question is, even in the 60s, they had ways of communicating to other members of like a ship or a train or something else. Like they can communicate from one area to another. Did they not think that the ship would have that inside of it? Well, it's sci-fi. Like cell phones didn't exist yet. They're trying to think of what would they have way in the future like. We have cell phones now, so they kind of predicted the future. Well, what I'm getting at is like next gen and even later on in the actual original series, you just hit a button or even just talk to the computer and say, hey, I want to talk to this person. And you just start talking to them. You don't have a communicator device right there. Yeah, well, I think they were trying to introduce us to the prop because they're going to need to communicate when they're like on planets and stuff. So there's not going to be a button on the ship for that. I gotcha. All right. He walks over to his bed and in walks the doctor, Phil Boyce, played by John Hoyt, who was best known for films like When Worlds Collide, Spartacus, and Attack of the Puppet People. I just wanted to say Attack of the Puppet People. Attack of the Puppet People. We need to do a podcast on that, apparently. (laughs) All right. sounds strange. I think that was a Doctor Who episode, wasn't it? I don't know. I've never watched Doctor Who. In 2005, the very first episode, when all the mannequins start attacking. Never seen an episode of that show. Okay. (laughs) I'll watch it if we do a podcast on it. Awesome. So uh, Dr. Boyce walks in, he immediately sets his bag down and starts digging in it, and Pike starts to get defense, and he's like, I didn't say there was anything wrong with me. Boyce just starts asking him about the distress signal. Pike's still on defense, without knowing more, the condition of our crew takes precedence, and he wants to log the ship's doctor's opinion. Why was the doctor just trying to make him drink? Because he's bones. Like, was he... (laughs) Is he trying to make him an alcoholic? I'm not trying to make him an alcoholic. (laughs) Here, drink. Scotch will do that for you. I actually like that part. I really like that part. Boyce might be my favorite character from this episode. Really? 
Yeah, I was actually really disappointed when they didn't bring him back for Strange New Worlds. Don't get me wrong, Dr. Mbenga's great. Strange New World made me cry one time and it was a Dr. Mbenga episode, but like, I really liked this scene with Pike and Boyce. I mean, season two, they might bring him. But I don't want to lose Dr. Mbenga. <laughs> Did you not see the finale of season one? Of course I saw the finale of season one. Didn't he stay on that planet? No. Pretty sure he did. I don't know. We're getting <laughs> off topic here. I'm pretty sure he's in the trailer for the new season. Uh, it's oh, a teaser. Right. <laughs> all right. So, as we said, Pike doesn't want to check out the planet. And Dr. Boyce responds with, oh, I concur with yours, definitely, his opinion. Does Boyce actually concur with Pike's opinion? I don't know. Like, I have no read on him whatsoever. Like, I'll be honest. I can't tell if he's actually intelligent, if he's if he's a good guy, if he's a bad guy, if he's... Yeah, he's just a guy offering alcohol to people <laughs> and stating the obvious. Really? You have no read on him? Really? He's basically just McCoy. <laughs> but McCoy actually had... I don't know. McCoy was better. McCoy had the emotion of it. I mean, this guy has the emotions of it. But not not McCoy style. I mean, McCoy was going to stay on a planet for a woman. I mean... He was going to stay on a planet for a woman. He actually him. agrees. He's dead. I think Boyce is just trying to lure Pike into a false sense of security. Because I think Pike's actually surprised by that response. I think Pike's expecting an argument, like a classic Kirk McCoy style argument. I think that's what he's expecting here, which we're eventually going to get in the scene, but like, not yet. <laughs> I think that's what I missed too, is McCoy can argue with Kirk. Like, he is the best at arguing with him. Isn't there an episode where they start actually like physically fighting? I don't know. Or is that with uh, Spock? There is an episode where Spock and Kirk fight. Yeah, that might be what I'm thinking. All right, so Pike keeps going. We're going to go to the Vega colony. We're going to get our injured crew medical attention. And at this point, he realized Boyce is putting ice in whatever he's working on. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> this is just a sample. <laughs> and that's when, and that's when Boyce pulls out a martini. <laughs> so Pike asks why he thinks he needs one. And Boyce has this great line that stuck with me since the first time I ever saw this episode. Sometimes a man will tell his bartender things he'll... Never tell his doctor. The rest of my notes on this episode are what I said earlier about being disappointed that he wasn't in Strange New Worlds. <laughs> Did you write 10 pages of why you're disappointed he wasn't in Strange New Worlds? Nah, just one paragraph. One paragraph? Like, I get why they didn't do it, because he's basically just McCoy, and diversity is important, especially in Star Trek, so, like, Mbenga is a lot better for the diversity of the show. Right. And also, putting Boyce in the new show would just be like, oh, we're doing McCoy again. <laughs> So, like, I get why they didn't bring him back. I just was kind of bummed at the time. I mean, you already know my opinion as to why they needed to bring more diversity to Strange New Worlds. Because they were going off just this crew. Oh, yeah, if they were going off just this crew, it'd just be a bunch of white people. Yeah, yeah. And Spock, who is white, but... I was about to say. <laughs> not, not in the show. I mean... I mean, he is. There yeah. are black Vulcans. Yeah. But, yeah, Strange New Worlds is great. Go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> i will <laughs> <laughs> all right so the rest of the scene we're gonna have like some serious foreshadowing the rest of the scene is just gonna be like we're gonna see this we're gonna see this we're gonna see this so let's get into it so at this point boys asked chris what's on his mind he asked if it's what happened on rigel seven and pike's like yeah three members of my crew died my yeoman died 
Now there's seven were injured. And Boyce tries to be like, well, you couldn't have prevented that. And Pike's like, I should have. I saw swords. I saw armor. I should have known something was up. That I got trapped in this fortress. <laughs> like, I, I'll be honest. The first time I watched the original series, I skipped over this episode after the first 20 minutes of it. And I'll be honest, this time we're watching it, I wasn't fully paying attention. I was zoning in and out. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to have very high, high opinions on some parts. On some parts, I'm just not going <laughs> to give a very good opinion. Okay. All right. And then McCoy says to Kirk, oh, I'm sorry. Boyce says to Pike that Pike standards are that Pike standards are too high for anyone to possibly meet. That he treats everyone else on the crew like a human except himself. He even treats the Vulcan like a human. <laughs> Do they even say if I don't Spock think they use the, the word Vulcan in this episode. I think so far Spock's just an alien. Do they even say that he's an alien? He's not just some mutated human. <laughs> well, I think they like pointed out, but like he's obviously an alien. I mean, I could, he's just a deformed guy. That's messed up. <laughs> and Pike's like, yeah, I'm tired. Foreshadowing about the deformity. <laughs> I mean, it's not because Spock doesn't get deformed. Spock doesn't. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Pike cuts him off. He's like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of being responsible for the crew. I'm tired of deciding what mission's risky, which one's not, who goes on what away mission, who dies, who lives. He's really feeling the death of like these three people on his crew. Yeah, but he's a captain. Like, how long has he been a captain since now? Like, has he been? Clearly, he's been a captain for a while because he's sick of it. <laughs> like, he should be used to it. I mean, how many crew members died under Kirk? How many died under Card? How many died under uh, Janeway? A lot. The answer is a lot. I mean, freaking Archer, how many did he have die? Like half of his crew at one point? <laughs> Was it? I don't know. You know, Janeway, her very first mission in her new ship. Oh, yeah, like everyone died and she had to get a bunch of terrorists to replace half her crew. Yeah, yeah. That was a rough first mission. Yeah, stranded for 70 years. Well, it was seven, not 70. 70. Because remember, they were going to, like, eventually they were going to have babies and stuff on there. Well, yeah, but they made it home in seven. Oh, yeah, they did make it home, but... Okay, we're talking about Voyager. (laughs) 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 All right, so Boyce asks Pike if he's finally going to take a rest. Leaving Pike says, I might resign. This is when I said, do it. (laughs) Do it. You won't. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's what you said? Yeah. So Boyce called Pike out on these, like, and do what? This is where we get to the part of Pike I don't like. He suggests, like, that he might go into the slave trade with the Orions. Not a great look that your captain wants to trade slaves. Yeah, that's what really bothered me about that. He has an all-white crew, and he wants to be a slave trader? Yeah, not great. Mm. Boyce doesn't look too hot there either, because he calls them animal women. Yeah. Which, that's just racist. I get that it's the 60s, but... And they're still, green. Still. Justice for the Orions. I mean, the Orions eventually get justice. They do. They do. Takes them forever and a, and a day. <laughs> yeah. And before suggesting that he become a slave trader, he said, I'll go home to my two horses. <laughs> that's what he should. Ride around, take picnics. <laughs> and that's when Boyce teases him. And then he goes into the, like, I could be a slave trader. And Boyce calls him out and he's like, I'm just saying, there's a lot of possibilities in the galaxy. And that's when Boyce gets into the lesson of the episode. A man either... Lives life as it happens to him, meets it head on and licks it, or he 
turns his back on it and starts to wither away. Or in other words, commanding a starship is your first best destiny. Anything else is a waste of material. <laughs> Wrath of Khan reference. <laughs> uh, more like Wrath Wrath of Khan stole this. <laughs> It's it's basically it's basically the same lesson. Yeah, you know, oh man, I'm should I rip off that bandaid now? Go for it. I don't really care for Rathacon. Oh, we're gonna have conversations about this. Yeah, it's not my favorite original series movie, which I know is heresy for most fans. It is a good film. Honestly, my favorite original series movie is Undiscovered Country. I like the one with the whale. Voyage Home, Voyage Home. Yeah, that's what. That's your favorite. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have conversations when we get to these movies. No, that's the original ones. I like Next Gen. I like them all. (laughs) (laughs) Can't choose a favorite. I can't choose a favorite of the Next Gen one. That surprises me because like half of them are garbage. One is decent. One is good. I mean, they're all good to me. I appreciate that. This is going to be an interesting podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. We haven't even gotten to Talos yet. We're still on the ship. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting after this scene because that's where my notes end. Oh, we can just discuss it then. All right. So then after a moment, we hear the classic Star Trek whistle sound and Pike clicks on a little screen and we see Spock's face and he tells us that there's a message from the crash survivors on Talos. So they do have a communication system. They do. That didn't exist like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> FaceTime. <laughs> we transition to the bridge where we see a very slow printer with a sci-fi sound effect on it. Garrison picks out the paper and tells us that there are 11 survivors. The oxygen is good. Food and water is good. And the message ends with the words, but unless. And then the message breaks off there. By the way, in the scene where Garrison is reading this message to Pike, there's a woman sitting right between the two of them. Just want to point that out because that'll come back in a minute. Was he back on the bridge now? Yeah, we're back on the bridge now. Huh. It's odd. Why is that odd? I I just the fact that he's like, Oh, I'm not used to women and then Oh well we haven't got to that part yet. But I'm just pointing out there's like more women on the bridge when he says that than number one. Pike goes to his chair and broadcasts to the whole ship that they're going to the Talos Star group at Time Warp Factor Seven. Time Warp which will mean a very different thing in the future of Star Trek, but <laughs> At the end of the episode, like the very end, they don't even call it time warp. I don't know if you caught that. They call it light speed. Oh, do they? And I was like, Star Wars. I mean, technically this came first. Yeah. All right. And then Pike says engage. So Picard didn't make that up. Yeah, I noticed that too. Then it gets weird. So the picture goes kind of transparent. So we see the crew on the bridge and we see stars going by at the same time with the original series theme just like playing in the background like it's the music and we see stars flying by and the ship all at the same time. And it's kind of odd. My favorite part is when Pike goes over to Jose Tyler's console and looks over his shoulder and he just like holds up a seven with his fingers because they're going out work factor seven. Uh. I didn't even didn't even notice that. At this point, this is when I noticed that his hand is bandaged, so the bandages on the crew members is like intentional. I think this is where I kind of started to lose interest. Oh yeah. And then like I think once they got back on the planet, that's when I started to gain attention. <laughs> yeah. So like as you were saying earlier with the guy with the bandage on his neck, they were all bandaged purposefully to just be like they were at that planet where Pike got trapped in the castle and had to fight the dude. They were all on that mission. Right. It makes sense. 
All right, so we transition to a couple shots of the outside of the Enterprise, Enterprise flying through space. They look really good for I got the 60s effects. This looks way better than any shots of the Enterprise traveling outside in space on the original series. Like, this is by far better. I don't know about that. They probably reused a lot of the same shots. It's probably exactly the same. Oh, I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think so. I think they actually built a different model for the rest of the series. I think this is like a different Enterprise model that they used. So I'm probably wrong about that. And the bridge is on the bottom of the of the new Enterprise. And that's just in the 2009 movie. That's not like in the original series. Is it really on the bottom in the 2009? Yeah. Yeah, when I saw the movie, I was like, that's a weird place for that, but I guess. Are they smoking something? <laughs> it's an alternate timeline. Everything's different. Now I'm going to watch that. Okay. All right, so we're back on the bridge. Pike turns around and runs into his new yeoman, J.M. Colt, played by Laurel Goodwin, who's best known probably for this role, but that's sad. <laughs> so outside from that, she's known for a role in the 1962 film Girls, Girls, Girls. Uh, is that an Elvis Presley that's movie? That's an Elvis movie. <laughs> I know. I've seen that movie. I've, I own that movie. Now I have to watch that movie. Yeah, well, there's a Star Trek actress in it. <laughs> really? I did not know that. I didn't either till I looked it up earlier today. Girls, girls, girls. Pike immediately starts to yell at her because he's kind of a jerk. But before he can get to any real point, she points out, it's 0500. You wanted the reports at 0500. And then he's just like, oh, okay, thanks. And then she leaves the bridge. And that's when he says the really sexist thing about not getting used to a woman on the bridge. Where number one gives him this look because, yeah, that was really sexist. Yeah, I think Pike was just being a douche. Like, I don't know what his deal was. I think his deal might be that the yeoman that she's replacing just died on that mission at Rigel 7. And, like, he's dealing with that. But also, he's a sexist jerk. Is, I was, think both are true. Was the yeoman a uh, a guy originally? Like, Yeah, I figure it was. Huh. Oh, and then he says, oh, no offense, number one. Like, you're different. And then she gives him that look again because that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I'll show you different. <laughs> like, looking at number one, I feel like she could take him. She could take him. Yeah. Which, in Strange New Worlds, isn't she genetically altered or something? Yeah, in Strange New Worlds, they make her like an alien who's augmented. Yeah, like Khan. <laughs> yeah, which is a big no-no in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'd say they go too far with that, but we'll get to that in like 10 years. New Space Fine. <laughs> I was going to say Prodigy. Oh, I mean, it starts to be prevalent besides the Wrath of Khan. It's prevalent in Deep Space Nine. Well, yeah, like my argument for it going too far in Prodigy actually goes back to Deep Space Nine. You're telling me this kid can't enlist. You got Bashir over here being a Starfleet doctor. And I mean, like when they're like, oh, you can't enlist. I was like, what? And then it, it all ended. Like happy. at that point, I feel like this shouldn't be a rule anymore. It makes sense in like Strange New Worlds being pre-original series, but when you're going post next generation era shouldn't be a big deal anymore i mean honestly at this point humans need augmentations <laughs> yeah my contacts are so blurry that's why i keep stumbling through my notes i mean in uh in lower decks you have the option to add cyborg implants and stuff that is true even on star trek online you have the option to oh, add yeah interesting yeah it's on the bottom part of the space station you can buy parts oh yeah it's been years since I played Star Trek online. 
You know, I'll be honest, this episode kind of gave me uh, alternate timeline vibes. Um? Yeah, like, you know, the alternate timeline of Star Trek. I mean, most of them have went to it in some form or another in the series. You know, Next, no, Next Gen didn't, but original, Deep Space Nine, not Voyager, Lower Decks. Oh, Discovery. you're talking Mirror, U- Mirror Universe? Yeah, Mirror Universe, sorry. Huh, interesting. Like, I get more vibes from this, like... Like as a mirror universe then honestly <laughs> the mirror universe in the original series <laughs> when kirk went back to it so who knows maybe this episode's actually in a mirror universe i mean it's definitely not because they're not wearing mirror universe uniforms plot twist it's plot twist <laughs> i've stumped you <laughs> you have kind of stumped me <laughs> But also, we've made it to the end of my notes, so we just need to, like, kind of ad-lib the rest of this episode. Well, that's fine. We can do that. All right. All right. So, do you want me to make the hand motions an act, or... Oh. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pick it up down at the planet. Let's finally get to the planet. I'll let you go ahead and say what you want, and I'll just intervene when I feel the need to say something. <laughs> All right, so we go down to the planet, and we see an encampment full of, like, old guys okay, who say that they are scientist survivors. Just to me, as soon as you get there, they're like, yeah, we, we're survivors. Like, it already seems shady. It's like, are you? Are you really survivors? Yeah. And then we cut to, they see a beautiful woman and they all stop to stare at her. Going back a little bit. I'm not going to talk about the beautiful woman real quick, but going back. Why were they putting on coats? What was up with that? There are away mission coats. What's wrong with that? Like what? And like they put all their stuff tucked it in, and and you you notice that. Like at first you don't notice it, but then later on in the episode, there's a point when it's made known that all their stuff's inside the coat. Like well, no, at, at first you see Spock putting on, you see he's a harness with his communicator and his phaser in it, or laser. And this they're called lasers. Speaking yeah. <laughs> of which, I like the design of the lasers in this one. Like, I they look cool. I love the designs of the of the lasers in this one. I might like the lasers in this better than I do the phasers in the original series. Let's be honest, their uniforms are better than the original series. I don't know about that. I like the original series prime colors. I firmly believe that Starfleet uniforms should always be the three prime colors. Well, I get I get the prime colors, but like the uniforms just seem better quality. Oh, quality, yeah. Like the quality, the first two seasons of the original series were terrible. They had to replace them all in season three with a different material because they were just all fading out and like wearing down. It's not even like in the original series and even next gen, it was just random people were wearing random uniforms. Like there was no actual like uniform. <laughs> of the uniform oh you mean like in deep space nine when extra would be wearing like old next generation uniforms yeah that drove me insane yeah like as an eagle scout for listeners david and i are both eagle scouts we wore uniforms for much of our lives and like that bugs me (laughs) yeah the inconsistency with uniforms bugs me (laughs) so yeah there's like a good portion of deep space nine where i'm just very annoyed and generations like that was a movie buy more uniforms i mean you can buy them anywhere like i know of at least 10 different shops online that you can buy them from couch owns about 20 of them i own two original uniform shirts that don't fit because i put on some weight (laughs) okay so beautiful woman 
Okay, actually, I missed something before that. Before they find the camp full of people, they see these blue flowers that sing, and Spock and Pike touch them, and Spock has this big old smile on his face. Like I said, Spock clearly has emotions at this point. <laughs> First and last time you'll see it. I don't know. I think Strange New Worlds actually kind of plays into that a little bit. Like, you see Strange New World Spock is more emotional than Nimoy Spock. Yeah. I think they're, like, making a story to, like, by the time we get to the original series, he'll grow into Nimoy Spock. I think that's kind of what they're going with there yeah i mean it does make sense because i mean he is half vulcan half human yeah for those who don't know that (laughs) if you don't know that why are you listening to this podcast (laughs) that's my question so i mean he's probably does have to grow into his ability to keep his emotion from escaping yeah because at first that bugged me about strange journal was like he's too emotional (laughs) his hair doesn't look right and then like when i watched this episode i was like oh that kind of makes sense his hair does kind of look like that in the cage Okay, so back to the episode. <laughs> beautiful woman. <laughs> the beautiful woman. All the crew members are distracted by this beautiful woman, and so is Pike. So they say, oh, she was born just before we crashed. I'm not going to lie. I think number one was better looking than this beautiful woman. So I don't know why they went all crazy over her. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to get into who I think is more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Your wife's not listening. So we find out later from voice that all of the people are like in perfect healthy condition to perfect healthy condition. Plot twist. (laughs) Our female character, Vina, played by Susan Oliver, walks up and calls Pike a fine specimen. The scientists try to be like, oh, she's just been hanging out with a bunch of old scientists her whole life. She doesn't know any better. And then she's all like, I think it's time he knows our secret. Come with me and I will show you our secret. He's got those John Wayne looks i'm actually pretty sure he did a move with john wayne <laughs> yeah then she like leads him away she disappears all the people disappear some big-headed aliens come out and strike him with a wand every time i saw that scene all i could think it was avada cadaver <laughs> so let's see what happens next then the crewmen all start freaking out because they stole their captain run over like try to get in the door they like start blasting it with their lasers which like yeah. i said i like the lasers in this they look cool yeah the and lasers- i like how you like twist them to do different things yeah, I, I'll speak more about that in, oh, yeah? in a minute Okay, when we get to that part. <laughs> and then Spock calls the ship number one. They have the captain. <laughs> it was a trap. It was all a trap. There were no survivors. So to me, this whole thing was a little confusing because in all of Star Trek, there's always like, you know, who's in command behind the captain, first officer, you know, like, you know, like the whole line down there. Yeah. This one, it really, at one point you're like, is Spock in command or is number one in command? Like, oh, it's Pike number one Spock. Like, cause it really seemed like they were both just kind of like when Pike was captured, they were both just kind of like you guys listen to me and you guys listen to me well like pi even said when they were assembling a landing party that number one needed to stay on the ship because she was the most experienced officer right number one's in command right but then whenever they come back when spock comes back they kind of like co-command it i don't know if you've noticed that number one still in command spock's in the briefing room scene like explaining what's going on because you know he is the science officer he doesn't know the science things well yeah i don't know to me it just seemed like they were just co-commanding everything i mean they're both senior officers they're clearly like the two most senior officers under pike it'd be like if you had a scene where Riker and data were both doing stuff together because picard got kidnapped or something i mean but we have seen that exactly so what's your problem but there was a definite 
command structure there. I mean, there's a definite command like, structure here. Like, you knew that Riker was in charge. Like, there was no questioning it. Like, even if you hadn't seen that episode, like, if you hadn't seen anything in that series up to that point, within, like, right after Picard got kidnapped, you would have known that he was the one in charge. Like, it was there. Like, it was definite. Like, I don't know. That's just... They need more lines in their uniforms. We don't know who has what rank. Yeah, that was a big thing that I noticed. In... Yeah, like everyone just has one stripe on their sleeve. Yeah. Hey, I didn't even notice their sleeves, so... What you'll learn through this podcast is I'm very into Starfleet uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> so what's that brings us to next. Um, Does it take you to a pike scene or the ship scene? Eh, probably pike. Let's just talk about the next pike scene. Okay. So Pike wakes up in the cage. Dun, dun, dun. Roll credits. <laughs> All right. So he wakes up in this cage. It's transparent. Like he can't get through it. He looks around. He notices that there's a humanoid ape thing. A uh, pterodactyl-like thing? Yeah, there is also like a bird-like human thing. The ape thing was actually like a reused costume from the series The Outer Limits. I've never seen that series, but Me that neither. costume <laughs> looks familiar. Like it's been used before. Plus, did you notice that this is probably like the first and last time in the, in the original series that aliens are not human-like? Yeah, you have a point. Like... A lot of alternate planets where aliens are just like humans with different outfits. Yeah. And I mean, even the non-human ones are still just humans. <laughs> yeah, just humans. I'm looking at you, Betazoids. Just humans with contacts. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the guy who played in the ape costume and the bird costume is named... Wait, so is one guy played both? Yes. Probably going to butcher his name. Janos Krahaska, and he was born on October 10th of 1919, which I only bring up because October 10th is my birthday. I was going to say, isn't that your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's see. Wakes up. Oh, and then the aliens show up. The other aliens that aren't caged. Yeah, the big head aliens. <laughs> the aliens caging the aliens. Yeah. The Talosians. Talosians. I always like that name. Talosians. It is a nice name. So they're communicating telepathically. They're basically just observing him like a science experiment. Watch now as he has the fear response. Watch now as he tries to boast about his ship's weaponry. Watch now as he tries to break through the force field. I gotta say, the one thing that I noticed, and this is just weird, it took me a minute to realize he was in a cage because I thought he had just beamed into a hallway, like it gotten put in a hallway because that glass was so clear <laughs> that I couldn't even tell. That was very clear glass. Yeah. There may not have been glass. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, interesting thing about the Telogians though, like they were all voiced by men, but like the people in costumes were all women. I could tell. Actually, wait, all but one of them. One of them was a dude. I could tell. I was very confused by that. I think that was the point. Okay. <laughs> go on. Why do I have to go on? How about you describe the next scene for us? All right. So I don't know if this is the next scene, but I'm just going to go with it. Go for it. All right, so they are on the plant surface. Number one and Spock are co-commanding this mission to I have no clue who's commanding the ship, but they That's a good point. <laughs> Who is commanding the ship? They're on the planet with a giant laser and they're going to shoot the door open. They the ship turns on the laser even though there's control panels on the laser and it looks like you would control it down there and I have no clue how the ship would actually control it. 
Well, like, the thing they were saying is they were, like, routing the Enterprise's power into the laser to try to blast the thing open. Okay, that makes sense, because I was not paying attention. Yeah. I was like, ooh, look, a giant laser. But, so they were shooting the door with the laser, and it did not open. So they went back up. Well, then they talk about, like, you know, with their powers of illusion. For all we know, we could have, like, blasted that thing open, and we just wouldn't see it. Which we <laughs> later find out is exactly what happened. Like, they totally wrecked that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't I, tell. I love how when they're coming up it, the elevator's, like, shimmying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can tell it's made out of cardboard. <laughs> I miss cardboard sets in Hollywood. I like CGI. <laughs> I mean, I do too, but there's something just, like, nostalgic about just cardboard alien sets. I think we need a real-life Starfleet museum. Oh. With all the ships that you can visit. I mean, they probably have all those ships, ships in the Smithsonian. <laughs> I mean, they at least gotta have, like, the original Enterprise, right? Probably. That's probably the only one. Probably. Like, I went there once. I don't remember anything I saw there. I bought a Spock bobblehead in their gift shop, though. Well, that's probably because there's a mention of Star Trek. Probably. They also had a Yoda statue. I didn't buy that. <laughs> If you don't know this, people, I have a giant Yoda bobblehead behind me. Okay, technically that's Grogu. Yes, he is correct. <laughs> technically that's Din Grogu. Technically that is Din Grogu now. <laughs> and fans got mad. <laughs> um, I think it's cool. So, I almost said Kirk. Pike <laughs> is now, he is in the cage still, but Nina? Serena? Vina. Vina? Vina. Yes is with him and they're going through different they're in a picnic setting not yet first they did the the battle on rigel oh yeah yeah yeah. the battle on rigel where she was all damsel in distress like yeah which that really that really messed me up a little bit because you could obviously tell that growl was some kind of animal and was not coming from that guy i mean it's alien guy he just (laughs) had weird teeth (laughs) he did have very weird teeth and every time that sound would be made, the camera was off of that guy. I mean, yeah, that's that's just how you edit things. Yeah. Let's see. And then they go to a picnic in the Mojave. Mojave. In the Mojave Desert. In the future, the Mojave Desert is not a desert, but a bunch of parkland where you can ride horses. I think that's a cool thing for a sci-fi show. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I liked the backdrop. Yeah. With the buildings and stuff. Like, not the buildings, but, like, the little town. Like, they seemed very futuristic. Yeah. Original series used, like, a lot of, like, paintings for the background that looked, like, really cool. Yeah. They should have kept doing that. Okay, Mr. I like CGI. (laughs) I do, but... But I'm not going to lie, the 90s, early 2000s, when they were using the same townscape for every single planet, like, oh, this is Kardashian. Well, that looks exactly like Kronos. <laughs> oh, this is Kronos. Well, that looks exactly like Major. Oh, this is Major. That looks exactly like Vulcan. Yeah. I mean, the only difference is Vulcan has sand and is orange color. I don't like sand yeah it's coarse rough irritating gets everywhere but this is not a star wars podcast you are darth vader (laughs) anyway okay what is next okay one important plot point we keep skipping back yeah past is probably 
is the fact that the aliens have like when pike's pike's not into this whole fantasy thing like he keeps fighting back and in response the aliens keep punishing vena by making her feel like an intense pain throughout the picnic scene she keeps bringing it up you know when you talk like this my headaches come back and this is the point where she starts talking about like having a family and pike's like you know those headaches would be hereditary would you wish that on a child huh i caught it but i didn't even remember it so yeah the the aliens want them to make a bunch of humans as slaves yeah 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 i forget about that do they ever actually say slaves yes pike said slaves because remember he's a slave trader and he likes slaves oh yeah pike said slaves and later in the episode when number one is about to like blow them all up with that laser she says it's wrong to create a whole race of humans to live as slaves so like they do establish that they want these humans to like build back up society up top because the aliens have been doing their brain thing for so long they can't they've lost the ability or knowledge to like build things or like physically do things like build back up a society on the planet because uh. it's established that the planet up top is like that from centuries of war a long time ago right you know i find it fascinating that they have so many they don't like the Thelosians and they're really upset about it and like they hate them so much but then not once but twice they go back like two different people from this episode go back to them well, yeah i don't think they hate the television at the end pike's like how about trade like could we help you out and the aliens are like uh, humans would learn our power and they'd like destroy themselves so nah we're doomed <laughs> well what's next let's talk about the orion slave trading <laughs> i'm starting to wonder about you couch <laughs> you're kind of kind of liking that oh yeah it's that scene <laughs> okay so i actually do have a piece of trivia about the scene so for the screen test for the green makeup they had major barrett who played number one test it they would paint her face green and, and like videotape it and then they send it back to the editors and they get it back and every time they got it back it would just look normal like it'd just be her normal skin color for three days they kept trying like different shades more makeup, less makeup. Eventually they went to the editors and they're like, oh, we didn't know there was she was supposed to be green. We kept color correcting it. <laughs> <laughs> so for three straight days, they couldn't figure out whether or not the green would show up on camera. So this is the, it's surprising that, so this is the first actual alien species that is constant in Star Trek that shows up in Star Trek. I mean, yeah, Vulcans and Orions. But I mean, Vulcans aren't mentioned yet. Because remember, Spock is just an alien. An alien. Orions are mentioned. Yep. So they are the first. Yeah, you so, could say that. So right now, we honestly only know of two alien species. Orions and the... Telosians. Yeah. That is interesting. Okay, so yeah, in the scene, Vina is an Orion doing a sexy dance. Which is not very sexy, by the way. Yeah. And Pike is... <laughs> Pike is talking to another trader and a Starfleet officer about it. And one of them was like, this is the kind of fantasy a board ship captain would have. Really just on the nose. Like, that's straight up a line of dialogue. Wait, say that again? So one of the people he's talking to is like, Listening dream. Almost like secret dreams a board ship captain might have. A Borg? Bored. Bored, okay. Yeah. I was like, Borg, what? Yeah, the Borg aren't around yet. I was like, <laughs> we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> which i'll make a mention of this now they the theologians they <laughs> they used a word that only other species that has used it is the borg which i found interesting did they say resistance is futile no simulate oh interesting 
they said that will assimilate you into it and i got really big borg vibes there. borg vibes which they kind of look like the borg without all the implants <laughs> so who knows did they create the borg where'd the borg queen come from yeah there was a point where they were going to do an episode of enterprise about like a crew of the enterprise becoming the borg queen they didn't do that because they got canceled, but like that was going to be a thing. I think I I think it's in a book that how the Borg Queen became about. I've never read any of the Star Trek books. I'll be honest. I've read like three of the Enterprise books, but that's it. Like my mom had hundreds of them <laughs> <laughs> from way back in the day. Cool. Okay, let's see. All right, so Pike runs away, and then all of a sudden he turns around, and Vina's there. And then he's back in his cage. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, to me at this point, it all just kind of, you know, the end is coming now. Like he's figured out that if he uses like just rough emotions, just fast emotions, they can't sense it or yeah, read it. Yeah. And, you know, just I feel like you can sense, like, you know, what the episode's about the end. You know, the big rescue's fixing to happen. Okay, let's get to the rescue. All right, so the away party is going to beam down from the ship, and only number one and Yeoman Colt beam down. And then Leonard Nimoy's reaction, <laughs> he just like throws his arm and yells, The women! Yeah, that was odd. That was odd. Why was the omen going down? Because she volunteered. Was she taking notes? No, nah, she, she volunteered. <laughs> I mean, why was the omen on? Why did the omen die on that mission to Rigel? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Why does Janice Rand go on any missions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they stole all the women. <laughs> so and they it, stole the woman and said okay here now you have a choice i didn't know Pick we were one. next generation here <laughs> <laughs> we're the ferengi <laughs> so they're like pick one number one is intelligent and emotionless but like she fantasizes about you pike then they say that colt say they say something that sounds like really sexist about how feminine she is and like how womanly and it's like this that that doesn't feel right yeah nothing about this episode feels right and and then vina's all like no he has me don't don't give him other choices like she's mad about it so i like how eventually they're how they escape yeah so um pike is using hateful emotion pike's pretend they're all sleeping pike's pretending to be asleep one of the aliens sneaks in trying to like grab the lasers because they've tricked them into thinking that they've made use the illusion powers to make them think that the lasers are empty even though they're fully charged pike is able to like grab him and like throws him on the ground has his hands around his neck the alien like tries turning into the other aliens to like try to scare him off but it's not working so the alien goes back to its natural self and then pike picks up the laser like shoots the glass and then points it at his hands it looks like the glass hasn't broken i think i just blew a hole through it want me to try it with your head and so he brings down the illusion there's a big hole in the glass he was saying he was wanting to try the laser on the guy's head not yeah try his head on the glass <laughs> i feel like there needs to be a clarification okay. there okay so then they get out and they go up the elevator and they realize oh hey you you guys did blow this up and then they go up the cardboard elevator okay actually before we get to the rest of the ground scene let, let's go back to the ship for a minute so spock's up on the ship the aliens have pretty much shut down all the power to the ship gone through all their historical records yeah spock's like oh they're gonna swat us out of the sky like a fly 
we're back on the planet and like number one twists her laser to blow them all up because it's wrong to breed humans to be slaves and right. then v- and then pike's like vina go and then she's like okay if you guys think this is so important i'll blow myself up too because they might try again and then the other aliens show up and they're like we have gone through their historical records they are too violent and dangerous they don't like being slaves even when slavery is pleasant and then they're like oh you guys can't serve our purposes you can all go and that's when we find out that vina is actually like very deformed and that the beautiful woman was an illusion by the telosians yeah I noticed that her shoulder was all funky. Yeah. So she was one of the scientists in the crash and they rebuilt her, but they'd never seen a human before. So like they had no model to go off of. So everything works. It was just all messed up and deformed. They're like, hey, you know, you have two shoulders. I would think one would look like the other one, but we're just going to go with it. Just go with the flow. There's no mistakes, only happy accidents. So this is where I stopped watching. Oh, yeah? Because <laughs> I think, don't they don't they put out a deal, a beacon saying not to enter? I don't think that's established in this. I think they established that that's a thing in, like, the Menagerie? No, they might put out a beacon. Probably. I don't know. We'll know for sure when we get to it again in the (laughs) Menagerie. So they give Vina a Pike illusion to go be happy with. And yeah, they fly off. And that's basically the episode. Uh, Back on the ship, Colt asks Pike, who would have been Eve? Basically asks, which one of us would you have picked? And then number one's like, yo, man, you've given your reports. Leave. And then Boyce has one of those classic Kirk and McCoy moments like. Eve as in Adam. As in all ship's doctors, a dirty old man. Which is very much like an ending Pike and Kirk scene. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the episode. Who would you have picked? Yeah, we're, this isn't that kind of podcast. No. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into that. Uh, okay. So yeah, what'd you think of this episode? I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I hated it. I I think it should have stayed locked up in a vault somewhere. I mean, I hated this episode, but I will give it that it did lead to very good episodes in discovery and it led to strange new worlds it led to pike being in all the star trek movies the newer ones not the original series or the next gen just this was it like hour and a half it was something like that was like an hour yeah like just this episode led to all that like i honestly before watching this i thought pike was like a stable character in (laughs) star trek like before because i never watched the original series until i watched everything else up to like you know the new episodes and new series so original was like way off and i thought pike was already in there like i even watched discovery (laughs) when he came in before i watched the original series it is crazy that like star trek is like a thing we can watch today because this pilot did fail they did like order a second pilot they give him a second chance which is like a thing that almost never happened back then the fact that they did that is crazy it's weird i do have like a couple quotes about it okay Okay, the first one is from Laurel Goodwin, who played Yeoman J.M. Colt. She said, The whole gang of us knew the show was going to go along wonderfully well. We were all so involved with our characters, there was no doubt in my mind that this would be a successful show if they could just get good stories. 
I mean, technically she wasn't wrong. It was successful with a whole different cast and characters, but she wasn't wrong. And from Gene Roddenberry, he said, I sort of understood NBC's verdict, he said. I wrote and produced what I thought was a highly imaginative idea, and I realized I had gone too far. I should actually have ended it with a fistfight between the hero and the villain if I wanted it on television. Which is interesting because that's how he ended the next pilot that he shoots with Shatner. Because that's the way shows were being made at the time. The great mass audience would say, well, if you don't have a fist fight when it ended, how do we know that's the finish? And things like that. So when did Star Trek get canceled again? Um, I think that was 69. Was that after the first season, first or second season or... So they made two seasons and they were going to cancel it after the second season. But like a bunch of fans wrote in letters to get to keep it on the air. And eventually they were like, okay, okay, we'll keep it. And then they made a third season and then they canceled it after that third season. How many, how many pilots did they make? Two. Two? Yeah, they made The Cage and Where No Man Has Gone Before. Who eventually signed, on, signed it on? Like, Um, it was... Desilu Studios, the, the studio company owned by Lucille uh, Ball, Lucille and, Ball Desi and Desi Arnaz, right. and NBC was like behind Desilu, like it was like those two studios working together, something like that. I don't know what the deal was with NBC and Desilu at the time. I was just wondering, like, so when did uh, NBC sell the rights to it to Paramount or um, CBS? I think Desilu eventually became Paramount. I think like Desilu either like got sold to Paramount or like became part of paramount so like yeah because i love lucy's on paramount plus yeah i was just curious because they always say that uh lucille ball was actually the one that fought for it to become i mean you are the behind the scenes guy i'm just the random (laughs) nothingness guy nah you're a big star trek fan Okay, well, I think that's good for this episode of Tomorrow is Yesterday. Join us next week when we look at where no man has gone before. The one where Kirk fights a god, basically. Is that the one where uh, Q is introduced? Where it's not necessarily Q? No, no. Or is that... No, that's not for a while. For a while. Okay. You can find me at all the social medias at Couch Talks Movies, except for Twitter, where movie is singular. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Tomorrow Trek Pod, and you can find us at patreon.com slash tomorrow is yesterday. So my TikTok is at David E.L. Moss. Alright, and until next time, live long and don't be a sexist. Exactly. <laughs>